Good morning, Golden Corner Church. How do you feel? You feel good? You know how I feel? I'm going to tell you how I feel. I feel grateful. I am grateful that uh, you're here. This is, this is summertime. A lot of times, summertime in a church means ghost town, crickets on Sunday morning. And man, I look around here and you're here, and I'm grateful for that. So grateful. Uh, we just had Kids Week. I know uh, Tim mentioned that, but uh, you know something I'm grateful for? I'm grateful that God has entrusted us with children at Golden Corner Church. And lot, this week, lots and lots of them. And I, I'm so grateful that He has entrusted us to love them, lead them. And I am also grateful that God has sent a lot of people here who feel called. I mean, they feel a definite calling to minister to children, to sacrifice their lives to pour themselves into these kids. And, and I want you to know, if that's describing you, I am grateful for you. Uh, this morning, I want to continue a sermon series entitled Defiance, Dare to be Different. Last week, in the Old Testament book of Esther, we read about a Jewish man named Mordecai. He had been commanded by his king to bow down and worship a man named Haman. Well, Mordecai refused. No, not doing it. He was defiant. Why was that? Was he just being belligerent? No, we learned that Mordecai defied the king's command so that he could obey God's command. He said no to his king so that he could say yes to his Lord. From this story, we're beginning to understand that those who follow God or follow Christ at some point or another are going to have to be defiant and not compliant. To comply with Jesus, we will eventually all have to defy the world. And so at the conclusion of last week's sermon, we made a decision that we were going to dare to be different. We're going to defy the world, defy the devil, and defy our human nature so that we can comply with our God. Now, here's the question we want to deal with this morning. If we really do that, if we really become these defiant Christians, defying the world so that we can comply with what our God wants, if we dare to be different, what can we expect? I want to be honest with you. To answer that question, I want you to join with me in reading from the book of Esther. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're going to read from chapter 3, verse number 5. And uh, let's read together. It says, When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, and we learned last week that meant to pay homage to or to worship. You know, when Haman saw that Mordecai is going to be defiant in this matter, He was, you see this phrase, filled with rage. Didn't say he was ticked off. Didn't say he was mildly upset about this. This man is absolutely filled with rage. Look what he does. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality. He was Jewish. So he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy 
all the Jews. Are you seeing this? To destroy. That's a pretty strong word, isn't it? To destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. So here's a guy who's really angry at a man. He's angry at a Jewish man because he's defying the king's command. He decides that this is an act worth punishing. And so I'm going to punish Mordecai the Jew. And here's how I'm going to punish him. I'm not only going to kill him, I'm going to wipe out or annihilate his entire race. Man, you talk about extreme reaction to this. I think this is a, this is a classic example of an extreme reaction. And so Haman chooses a date. Now, all this was taking place in the month of April. And Haman chooses the date that he's going to launch this full-scale attack against the Jewish people. And he chooses March the 7th, almost a full year later. Now, once he's chosen the date, he has to garner some support, and he especially needs the support of the king. So look what happens in verse 8. Then Haman approached King Xerxes and said, There is a certain race of people scattered through all the provinces of your empire. Now, I want you to look how he describes them. They keep themselves separate from everyone else. They're distinct. It goes on to say their laws are, you see that word? That's a key word, isn't it? Different. They think differently. They behave themselves differently from everyone else. And that's what makes them so distinct. He goes on to say, and they, look at this description, refuse to obey the laws of the king. What's he saying about the Jews? They're defiant. They're defiant. He said, so it is not in the king's interest to let them live. It goes on to tell the king, King, if you will let me do what I want to do with these people, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll contribute 375 tons of silver to the royal treasury. I'll make it worth your while. Now, that was not a misquote. He said not that I would contribute 375 pounds of silver. You know, that'd be a pretty lucrative deal, wouldn't it? He said, this, this dude must have been extremely wealthy himself. I will contribute 375 tons of silver to the royal treasury if you'll let me have my way with these people. Now, how does the king respond? Look at verse 10. The king agreed, confirming his decision by removing his signet ring from his finger and giving it to Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. Now, that last phrase, the reason I want to read that verse, I wanted you to see how Haman is now being described. He's being described as the enemy of the Jews. So the king goes, yeah, man, I don't care. And uh, he said, uh, you, you, he, as a matter of fact, I'm giving you full authority in this situation. You do whatever makes you happy, whatever pleases you, just, just have at it. He said, as a matter of fact, keep your money. Uh, yeah, the silver's yours, these people are yours, just, just do whatever you want to do. So on April 17th, they have this big meeting. And the king is there, and Haman is there, and all the royal secretaries are there. And, and so the king writes out, the, sec, the king's secretaries write into law that on March the 7th, it is, it is uh, 
everyone's legal obligation to kill your Jewish neighbors. Matter of fact, the word that was used was slaughter. You understand what this means? It would be against the law for you not to kill Jews on March the 7th. Which means that, hey, if you're working in the yard and you see a three-year-old Hebrew child running down the road crying because his parents have just been murdered, you know, if you don't stop what you're doing and kill that child yourself, you could be arrested. It was the law. You had to do this. And to kind of sweeten the pot, this is what they said. You know, if you kill a Jew, whatever property was theirs will become yours. Some financial incentive. And so this, was, this became a law. This became a law that could not be repealed, couldn't be overturned. And so they, this law was dispatched by swift messengers that went to every province, to every governor, to every city, village, every town, you know, in these provinces. And word spread that this is now a new law. And it goes into, into it, it will be, uh, take force, I guess you could say, on March the 7th. How do you think the Jewish community responded when they heard this? Well, the Bible said, first of all, they were terribly confused. How could this happen? Why would this happen? But they were also stricken with fear. Wouldn't you be? If you heard tonight that a law had been passed in the United States that every citizen in Oconee County was going to be killed on September the 1st. That was law. Also, there was this great wave of sorrow that swept over the Jews. Now, what do we learn thus far? I think we learned this lesson defines leads to battles. You go, Ronnie, if I apply these sermons, I become defiant rather than being compliant. I dare to be different. How does this translate into my life? Defiance is going to lead you into battles. Is that a good word? Are you glad you got up on a summer morning, didn't go to the lake, didn't go to the mountain? Let's go get a good word from the Lord. You glad you came to get that word? Defiance leads to battles. You know something? I, I was thinking about this last night, and I told my wife, I said, you know, the last series, The Mystery of Suffering, I had a topic that people were interested in. And everybody wants to know how to get through hard times, you know. And now I said, Lynn, I've got a topic that's not very interesting to the average person that goes to a church. Who wants to know how to create battles for yourself? I said, it's not necessarily an interesting topic, but it is an important topic. And I think it's a very important topic for the church of the 21st century. It's an important topic for us. The defiant will be attacked Not applauded. Getting worse, isn't it? You didn't hear Haman say, well, I don't necessarily like the way that Mordecai is behaving himself, but I really, really do admire a man of his conviction. You didn't hear him say that. You didn't say, you know what I like about this dude? I don't like the fact that he won't bow, but I do like the fact that he has got some grit. you got to respect the guy. You didn't hear that. It wasn't respect that Haman felt toward Mordecai, but rather it was rage that Haman felt toward Mordecai. Therefore, he did not applaud him, but rather he attacked him. Now listen carefully to me. 
Mordecai's defiance led to a battle. A clash not only with a culture, but a clash with an enemy. Haman wasn't playing games. As far as he was concerned, Mordecai's defiance had to end in destruction. Bauer battle. Now, I'll tell you, if you don't get anything else, you'll get this next statement. Bauer battle. Those are the choices for those who, who choose to live a godly life in an ungodly culture. It's bow or battle. You know, I know this doesn't sound very encouraging, but however, it is the truth, and I believe it's a very clear biblical truth. And what I want to do, you know, for the next few minutes is I want to do something I rarely do. I want to inject another Bible story. Matter of fact, I'm going to inject two because I want you to understand something. What we're learning here about defiance leading into battles, is this is not from an isolated, random passage of Scripture, but to me it seems to be a theme that I find running all the way through the battle. And I want to very briefly tell you two stories, both found in the Old Testament book of Daniel. And uh, I chose these stories because in both of these stories you have young Jewish men, God's men, who are trying to live godly lives in an ungodly culture. Now the first story involves three young men. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You ever heard of them? Okay, three of you have. I don't know what they're asking. You, you missed Bible school, you've missed Sunday school, you missed it all. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were the three Jewish men, godly men. They were summoned one day, invited to a worship service. And uh, so they were told that we're going to have this big worship service. And at the worship service, we've all got to worship this big gold statue. And this is what the king has said. If you don't worship the statue, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. You're going to be killed. You're going to be destroyed. And so these three guys go to the worship service. And somebody tells us that when you hear the band start playing music, that's time to fall down and worship. So the band struck the first note. Everybody there fell down and began to worship this big gold statue but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what they did? They defied the command. They were defiant. They said, I don't care. I don't care if the king gave the command. I don't care how much authority he has. I don't care what the consequences are. I'm not doing this. They were defiant. They defied the king's command. Now, why would they do that? Remember, they were Jews. They had a God, and that statue wasn't him. And their God had commanded them in the Ten Commandments, you never bow down and worship an idol. So they were defying the king's command so that they could honor and keep God's command. That's what they were doing. Now, did people applaud? I mean, you know, when the people who were bowing saw that, did they kind of stand on their feet and say, man, those three guys have got moxie. They've got some gumption. We ought to be more like them. Is that what they did? Uh, No, 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 no. A little delegation goes to the king and said, you need to know something. At the worship service today, we were really disappointed. They were three of your main guys, Jewish guys, and even though you commanded them to worship, you let them know the fiery furnace. They did not comply. And I believe the word is even used there. They were defiant. Well, the king calls the three guys in. He said, you know, just in fairness to you fellas, I'm going to assume you didn't understand what I wanted and you didn't understand what the consequences were. So let me make this clear. And he said, if you don't bow down, you're going to the front. This is what the boy said. He said, so I'm going to give you another chance. You know what the boy said? Hang on. Don't waste your time. And don't waste our time. You can go back and let the band play. You can polish the statue. You can do whatever you want. But here's the deal. We're not bowing. We're not bound to that statue. Said, so you can go ahead and throw us in the furnace. That's, that's fine. 
And this is where we're at. We serve a God who is well able to rescue us from the fire. But even if he doesn't, no compromise. We don't bow. What do you think the king did? Do you think he applauded them? You know what he said? Get that thing hotter. Throw those boys in it. And he did. What did defiance lead them to? Conflict. Defiance led them straight into a battle. And then, of course, the other story is about another young Jewish man named Daniel. Daniel had a vibrant prayer life. Three times a day, he called a timeout. He went, you know, whatever he's doing, he stopped. He goes to his private place of prayer, and he prayed to God. One day, he finds out that it's now illegal to pray in his town. And the consequence, if you're caught praying, you're going to be thrown into a den full of lions. It's the law. It came straight from the throne, from the king. It had some oomph behind it. So what did he do? He said, I don't care. I'm not cooperating. I will not comply with that law. I'm going to act defiantly. I'm praying just as I've always prayed. So, you know, he was defiant. Some men caught him one day. They caught him praying. What do you think they said? Thank God somebody is still willing to get on their knees. Thank God somebody. No, 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 no. They went to the king and said, hey, man, uh, isn't it a law that you can't pray? That's right. Uh, didn't you say that if somebody went ahead and prayed that they would be thrown into a den of lions? You know that. They said, well, there's a guy named Daniel. He's still praying. What are you going to do? You know what the king did? Nobody applauded Daniel. The king didn't applaud. You know what the king did? Threw him into a den of lions. Next thing you know... Defiance led him into conflict. Are you seeing this? Defiance has always led into battles. So I've got to be completely honest with you. We're supposed to be defiant. But now you need to know where it leads. And where it's always going to lead. Now I want to read you a couple of verses from the New Testament. And these is from 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 11 and 12. These are the words of the Apostle Paul to his young protege, Timothy. Now I want you to listen to what he said. He said, you know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Now this is the key verse. I want you to see this. Yes, and everyone. You see in this? Everyone in this century, everyone in the next century, every succeeding generation of believers, anyone, anywhere, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will. Not maybe, not might, hope not. He said you will suffer persecution. And what does that mean to be persecuted? It means to be harassed or oppressed, especially because of your religious beliefs. You say, I don't think I've ever been persecuted. Now I'm going to say something. That's an indictment against us if we've never been persecuted. You know what that probably tells us? We're doing a lot of bowing to the wrong gods. Uh, We're blending in way too much. Dare to be different. Defy the world. And a battle's coming. Say, why is that? Well, just as the Jews had a common enemy in Haman, we have a common enemy in the devil. And write this down the devil despises defiance. Defy the world or defy him, and an attack will ensue. And when he attacks, you can be sure of this his weapon of choice will always be people. Say, Ronnie, this is getting worse as it goes. I'm just got to be honest with you. Yeah. The devil despises defiance. 
You defy the world, you defy him, and attack is coming. And when he attacks, his weapon of choice will always be people. Haman rallied people against Mordecai and the Jews. It was people who led the attack against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was people who, who, who led the attack against Daniel. The devil was successfully convinced people that they ought to be your enemy. You defy this world, you defy him, and I promise you, he will get busy convincing people in your world that the right thing for them to do is to be your enemy. He will convince them that they ought to slander you, criticize you, mock you, ostracize you, to do whatever they can to make your life absolutely miserable. Why would he do that? The devil attacks us so that he can strongly discourage defiance and greatly encourage compromise. That's what it's all about. He's applying pressure to keep us from being defiant and to help us become compliant with the ways of this world. He's going to make us bow. That's his objective. The enemy does not want us to bow only to God. He would like for us to bow to his gods as well. He really wants us to bow to him. So you say, no, wait, let me see if I get this. So, Ronnie, you're, you're telling me that biblically I ought to be defiant. Defy the world. So that I can comply with God. Yes, I am. I, I think that's what I read in the Bible. I think that's what we're supposed to do. And you're telling me that if I do, I'm going to anger my enemy, the devil. To the point that he, he rallies people against me. Who are going to do whatever they need to do to make my life a living nightmare. That's it, you got it. Now, I know what question just shot into your mind. Uh, what's my motivation here? Huh? <laughs> you know, I, I got to see something here. I'm not leaving here today, Ronnie, very motivated to go do what you're telling me to do. Well, maybe we need to look at another point. That is, defiance leads to blessings. You know, defiance leads to battles. I concede that, but defiance also leads to blessings. God blesses the defiant. Matter of fact, He blesses the defiant in ways that, I'm going to say this, please don't get mad at me. I think God blesses the defiant in ways that most Christians never really experience. You say, how would that be? He protects them, rescues them. Rewards them. And if need be, he avenges them. Now, in time, we're going to learn all this from the story of Esther, Mordecai, and the Jews. But today I want to prove my point by looking back on the two stories that I shared with you from the book of Daniel. Now, when we, you know, think about this. When we left the three Hebrew boys, where were they at? They're in a fiery furnace. They're embroiled in a real battle here. Uh, what did God do for them? He protected them. Something that should have hurt them didn't hurt them. Something that should have absolutely destroyed them, should have consumed them, didn't. How was that so? 
How are you not consumed? Let me tell you what. Not only were they not consumed, they didn't even blister. Their skin wasn't even red. They didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, you know, how was that? Supernatural. It was a block. God blessed them with supernatural protection. And when we left Daniel, he's been thrown into a den of hungry lions. Well, they should have consumed him. They should have at least attacked. You know what? Those lions didn't attack him, didn't claw him, didn't slap him around a little bit, didn't crush him, didn't devour him. They did nothing. How can that be? God blessed him by providing him with divine protection. Not only did he protect them while they're in this battle, in time God rescued them from this. I mean, you think when these three men are thrown into a furnace of fire, you're not walking out of that. They did. You know, when Daniel goes plunging down into the den of lions, you're thinking, he's never coming out. Well, he did. And how did they do that? God got them through that. He divinely rescued them. And even Paul said in 1 Timothy 3.11, we read, he said, hey, I've been in a lot of messes. I've been in some hot water with people over the way I live, but God has rescued me from every foul thing they've ever tried to do to me. You know, how do you ever experience the power of God, you know, in seeing Him win a battle if you're never in one? Here we go, man. I tell you what, He, he, he protected them. He rescued them. The third thing He did was He rewarded them. When the three Hebrew boys came walking out of the fire, you, you know what the king did? He promoted all of them. He gave them a better job, better pay, better benefits that enriched their lives. And, and when Daniel came out of the lion's den, he couldn't be promoted. He had the highest position in the land. But the Bible said, here's what God did for him. He prospered here throughout the rest of his days in Babylon. And, and you know, and the fourth thing he'll do is, he'll, if necessary, he'll avenge you. I mean, those guys that had Daniel tossed into the lion's den, as soon as Daniel walked free, they got them and threw them in. And said, you thought this would be a good idea? Let's see how it works for you. And the Bible said, before their bodies hit the floor, the lions had grabbed them, crushed them, and devoured them. Here's the deal, man. Yes, when you and I are defiant, we're going to walk straight into some battles. I know that. But you've got to understand that in the midst of these battles and on the other side of these battles, there are incredible blessings that you can't experience outside of being in a battle. I tell you, God will protect you. And the things that others do to harm you won't harm you. God will deliver you. There will come a time when you will walk slap out of that difficulty, out of that battle. God will reward you. He will do things for you. Just to show you that I am pleased with you standing your ground and doing what was right no matter what the cost. And if God has to, I tell you, He will turn the tables on those who try to hurt you. God blesses the defiant. Why would he do that, Ronnie? I believe this, that God blesses the defiant so he can reveal himself to them. As God blesses the defiant, they see God at work in their lives. The defiant not only know God or know about God, they experience God. I think about, I think about those three boys in the furnace. The Bible said there was a time when the king stood, he was looking in the furnace and the king stood up and said, didn't we throw three guys in there? Yeah, three. He said, how is it I see four? You're familiar with this? He said, how is it I see four? I can tell three of them are men. One of them looks like a god, right? 
There's something supernatural about the fourth guy who's appeared here in this fire. We know that it was the angel of the Lord, a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus Christ himself. So in the midst of this battle, guess what these three men were experiencing? They were having incredible, intimate, personal fellowship with Jesus himself. You know what Daniel said when they said, the king said, how is it these lions didn't kill you? He said, "Uh, God, the angel of the Lord, Jesus was in the den with me last night, and he held their mouths shut. You know what's happening to these guys? They're experiencing God. They're seeing God. Man, they got stories. They got stories that they can tell the rest of their lives about God and what he had done for them. When we are defined, it gives God a chance to reveal himself to us. And as a result, we're going to know him and know him well. Our experience with him will become real and personal. We're going to have our own stories about what he has done for us. Yes, defiance leads to battles, but it also leads to blessings. Therefore, don't deprive God of opportunities to bless you. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. You know what I mean by that? Making these little concessions about right and wrong. You concede that I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it just to kind of keep the peace. I'm going to do it to blend in. I'm going to do it to make sure I don't stand out and become a target. I don't want to be isolated. I, don't want, I want to avoid the tax. So even though I know this is wrong, I'm going to do it. That's compromise. And you know what compromise does? It costs. Compromise, you'll avoid the attack. Compromise, you miss out on those blessings. Don't cheat yourself. Dare to be different. Become defiant, not compliant. So where do we go from here, Ronnie? Next week, what are we going to be doing? We're going to to look at something. When the attack breaks out on us, and if you apply this sermon, it will somewhere down the road. It's just the way it works. There's something you got to know. And there's something you got to do. So next Sunday, when we open up the book of Esther, that's what we're going to learn. When the attack does break out, what is it we need to know? And what is it we got to do? Let's pray together. Father, stir our hearts. Stir our spirit. Get us into a position, into a mindset where we want to be everything you want us to be. No matter what the cost. We're willing, we're willing to co- cooperate with you no matter what. God, I, I, just, I, I just, I feel like we as Christians in the 21st century, we've just done a great job of blending in rather than standing out. Now I'm hearing you tell me that it's time. It's time for us to become defiant. 
It's time for us to defy this world and stand out as your people. Now, there are people here, Lord, listening, and they have no intention of doing this just for their own ease. And uh, God, your Holy Spirit has got to motivate them. He's got to do the work here and open up their hearts to receive this truth. And that's what I'm asking you to do. Same with me, Lord. Same with me. Help me dare to be different. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great, great week.